Sunday. This is Pentecost Sunday. Now, how many of you remember dear, precious Arlene Johnson? Could we stand here for a moment? Arlene would always remind me, Pastor Mike, Pentecost Sunday is Sunday. And uh, what, uh, I'm so thankful for that. She would remind me, you know, this is where we celebrate in honor where the church uh, received the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, 50 days after the resurrection, the Lord told the disciples, how many remember, tarry ye in Jerusalem till you be endued with power. And uh, I know there's different maybe persuasions and understanding, and we do attempt to teach more and more on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I just want to pray and consecrate ourselves here today as a body of believers and uh, honoring God and, and welcoming the Holy Spirit to work in our life. Can you say amen? amen? The Holy Spirit is the third part of the Trinity, is a person. And I'm going to get into a few things as we talk about facing fear and talking about honoring and reverencing God here today. But I just want to pray. I, I want to invite the Holy Spirit. Now, I do that each Sunday, but just in particular today. So just spend a moment with me. Lord, we humble ourselves here today afresh and anew. And Lord, we are dependent upon you your Holy Spirit, the gift, the paraclete, the one who comes alongside. The third person of the Trinity is here today because we are gathered to honor the name of Jesus and lift high Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray right now for your continued outpouring of your presence. Lord, people would sense and feel that God is alive and well. Lord, they don't need just more head knowledge. They need an experience with you. People need to touch God. Lord, let harvest, let this place, we humbly ask, be a place where people are impacted by the power of the Holy Spirit, that their lives are changed and transformed, that they, when they hear the preaching and the teaching and the worship, Lord, that they encounter Christ Almighty. I ask this in Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said, Amen, amen. Thank you. Thank you for that. God bless you. Um, just want to invite you to continue to lift up the Harstead family. Uh, many of you know Jean uh, moved to heaven this past week, and so we ask for continued prayer for Marlis, uh, dear sister Marlis. And Marlis has been part of the church since day one when we started in our living room, and, and a, a precious prayer warrior, and her son Josh. And family and wife, Stephanie, and we just uh, uh, want to lift them up. The funeral, uh, well, I can say this, I know there'll be information going out. We'll be here, actually, in the church. And of those of you that are able to help and assist this Wednesday, uh, visitation be from 10 to noon. And at noon, we'll have a service and have a, a, a lunch and then uh, go out to the committal service. And so... Um, we'll be hosting that here, and we will honor Gene in his life. Amen. <clears throat> we also next week have Yuri and Tanya coming. I don't know if there was a slide or something that was going to, not yet, maybe, okay. There's information out on Facebook, social media. They are missionaries to Ukraine. We've had them in, uh, I think it was uh, uh, 2020, uh, shortly after things opened up. We had them here in the church, and they're actually part of uh, the Bethel Church out in California. Bill Johnson's in, and Tanya uh, operates prophetically. She's a prayer warrior. Uh, I've ministered with them, uh, and he was a fabulous interpreter in Ukraine, and they have 
tremendous testimonies of what's happening now in Ukraine and that war-torn country, how God is, is moving in the midst. Can you say amen? amen? So, communion after the service and everybody is welcome. Well, there they are right there. You're in Tanya and their whole family, I think, will be here. Uh, for about three weeks, they'll be ministering out the Destiny Church with the meetings there, too, that you can participate in. Amen? Amen. Well, let's dive in here this morning. <clears throat> uh, Jesus said in Matthew 10, 28, and we're talking about fear, facing fear. This is the third week. I want to talk to you about the forgotten fear, and I've mentioned this over the last few weeks. The forgotten fear. Jesus said that we're to fear one thing. <clears throat> he said, do not be afraid, phobia. Of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid. Somebody shall be afraid. be afraid. We're not supposed to be afraid, Pastor Mike. No, the Bible says, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And so we're to reverence, honor, and fear God in a healthy sense. <clears throat> so God says, don't fear what man can do, but do be afraid of what God can do in regard to your spirit, your soul, and body when it comes to eternity. Can you say amen? Last week, we touched on some of the tragic effects of fear and how fear affects our lives. And I said this, I said, this Satan's deception will always attempt to bring comfort to your life of sin. Do you understand that? He's always going to want to caress you. He's always going to say, it's not that bad. You know, I know you do this. It's, not, it's, it's okay. You know what? There's a lot more worse people out there than you. Come on, somebody. Right? <clears throat> He's always going to want to ca caress you and Keep you in bondage. And I said this, the power to live a holy life comes from the spirit of the Lord. <clears throat> I think about Pentecost today as we celebrate the outpouring of God, the Holy Spirit that rushed in to the early church. And I think about the third person of the Trinity. <clears throat> Do you know the Holy Spirit has emotions? Amen. He has emotions. He, he, he has feelings. Um, I think of at the age of 15. I can remember exactly what happened when I was filled with the Spirit. <clears throat> with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And he's like, well, Pastor, you know, I haven't received my tongues yet. Just, you, you will someday. You step out. You will. You receive it. And I believe it's for everybody, for all. But if you don't want it, that's fine. That's your choice. But I look at it this way. When I spent time in the Marine Corps, they kept giving me certain armaments. They say, you know what? You need this canteen for water. You need this little, come on, this first aid kit. I never said, I don't want that. I, I, I don't want, you know what, that's bulky. It looks weird carrying that canteen. Hello. I took everything they gave me. They gave me, I was an NCO, they gave me a sidearm. I took the sidearm. Some guys didn't want it. It's extra weight. Come on, somebody. <laughs> We're in a spiritual battle, amen? I need everything that God has for me. So just throw that out there about it. But at the age of 15, I was at 532 East Street, Brockton, Mass. And it was a raised ranch with eight kids in the family. And at about 15 years old, this gentleman named Dick Wilmont, uh, who I will always uh, have uh, uh, thankfulness to, talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I had no idea what he was talking about. All I just said is, I need more of God. I'm 15 years old now. And I received. And he prayed for me. And, and I began to weep. For 45 minutes, I just began to weep, but it wasn't a weep of, of, of grief and sorrow. It was weeping of tears of joy. Yes. I don't know how to explain that to you other than what I just said. And so while I'm weeping, I'm feeling God's love pounding and compounding upon me. Yep. 
I don't know how to explain it. Some of you know what I'm talking about. But it was like a deliverance. It was like a freedom. And it was like the love of God. And, and you know what? Times you just think, what are you talking about, man? It was God. It was God coming. And here's the thing. He wants to do that to each and every life. In, in not the same way. Your own unique capacity. Okay? However, but he wants to show himself real to you. People don't need more head knowledge. You got plenty of head knowledge out there. You can pull up a, uh, uh, you know, you can pull up some other fancy preacher, more eloquent than me, and hear some fancy three-point sermon. You need God in your life. You need impartation. You need to recognize, man, he is real. I, I know, and, and it changes your life. But it changed my life. And I was reading the other day in Isaiah 63.10. It says, the angel of his presence. I thought that was interesting, which is Jesus. It's, it's actually the word angel is capitalized. That means it's about Godhead. He's talking about in the Old Testament. He said the angel of his presence, Jesus saved them. Talking about the children of Israel while they were in the wilderness. Jesus was there. How many know Jesus didn't show up just in Bethlehem? He, come on now. He always was and always will be. He's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So, well, before Bethlehem happened, he was involved with the church in the wilderness. He was what they call a theophany. I know it's a who? A theophany. It's just, a, it's just a, a term that talks about the third person of the Holy Spirit. And so it says the angel of his presence, Jesus, he saved them. Watch this. And it says he loved them. It's amazing. Jesus back then. He redeemed them. But it goes on to say, but they rebelled and vexed his Holy Spirit. We don't want to be the people that vex the Holy Spirit. Right? I don't want him. He's like, what do you mean vex? And at one translation says, the Holy Spirit or the spirit of his holiness. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, it is actually the spirit of his holiness. How many know that God is holy? Now, now don't check out right now. Don't get tight. You know, relax. First Thessalonians 5, 519 says, quench not the Holy Spirit. Hey, listen, how many know the day yesterday was an amazing day? Come on, like minimal mosquitoes. Come on. You know what? Like, we, Mariah pulled on a nice little cookout, kind of a fire thing, had some people over, and I was like, wow, this is, a, you even got some sun. I mean, no it's a, yes, yeah, no rain. I mean, it was just amazing day. Come on, let's not forget about God this summer, okay? I just want to throw that out there. But it was amazing. But, but when you're done with the fire, how many know you know you need to put out the fire most of the time, right? <laughs> I was like, well, it burned out to pretty much nothing. And so what you do is you take some water in, Throw it out and you quench it. That's what it means to quench the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. I thought about that. Acts 7.51 says, with Stephen, just before stone, it says, and they resisted the Holy Spirit. How many know we can resist him? Why, well, he's God. You know, how can you resist? We can resist the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. Ephesians 4.30 says, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. What does it mean to grieve? And I looked that up, it means to bring sorrow. How? By the way you live. Mm. It means you can make the Holy Spirit sad. That's what translation says. We can make sad. It's actually the Greek word lupeo. It means to grieve, to distress. Hmm. This, is, this is God the Holy Spirit inside you. You're born again. You know the Lord. God the Father, God the Son. He says, I will put my spirit within you. You cry, Abba, Father. That's the spirit of God within you. We can grieve him. It actually means to distress. It means I pain. I'm, in, I'm vexed. 
Uh, it means to experience deep emotional pain, severe sorrow. Wow. Uh, <clears throat> to throw into sorrow, it actually means. And I said this before, the Holy Spirit is the divine spirit of God, right? And watch this. He is capable of being grieved by our transgressions, our sins. I don't mean that to be, you know, judgmental or anything. I mean that for my own life, okay? Applying it to my own life. But, but we can grieve the Holy Spirit. Someone once said, sin vexes the one, but grieves the other. Isn't that right? And sin, it vexes us, but it grieves the Holy Spirit. And we don't want to be those that grieve the Holy Spirit. So they, when we talk about the, the Pentecost as the outpouring of the Spirit of God. Very quickly, how do we grieve the Holy Spirit? We use uh, him to excuse our sinfulness. Well, I was all right to be that angry about that situation. Or my corrupt speaking, foul mouth. You know, you know what? I'm angry. I'm angry. My stealing or bitterness or unforgiveness. My sexual immorality. You know what? And we pit the Holy Spirit against the Scripture. Let me just say this and I'll move on what we're going to get into. The Holy Spirit will never give you new insight contrary to what the Bible already says. Or what the Bible already teaches. You know what? We can save so much money for young couples. Someday, I know, we're engaged right now. And so we're going to, you know, we, if we pull together, we get an apartment together. I know we're not married right now, but if we get, come on, somebody, you know, and we move in together, we can save so much. We can pay off this debt. And we can actually save for a wedding because we don't have much money for a wedding. Incidentally, I'll marry you for free. <laughs> Just thought I'd throw that out there, you know. Uh, I want to make sure it's right that you marry someone that's a believer. But uh, so can't use that excuse here. But but how many know that that is not God? Thank you for those five. That's right. (laughs) In a politically correct society, that is politically incorrect. I don't care because that's what the word of God says. Amen. It's called fornication. Move on, Pastor Mike. Okay, I will. The Bible speaks of two kinds of fear. Amen. Reverence. There is a fear that is commanded in scripture and it is the reverence of the Lord. Proverbs 1 says, woe to those who live with no reverence of God. Wow. No fear of God. And write this down if you're able to. I'll repeat it. Here's the thing. We can only conquer the wrong kinds of fear by embracing the right kind of fear. I'm going to say that again. We can only overcome and conquer the wrong kinds of fear by embracing the right kind of fear. And this morning, I want to briefly talk about embracing the right kind of fear to overcome and face fear. All right? And this type of reverence fear, and we're going to be talking a lot about it, means respect. It means honor, reverence. It's a sense of awe. How many know that the fear of the Lord is a good thing? It's a good thing. It's not a bad fear. The fear of the Lord gives life instead of taking it. That's, that's what the Bible talks. Fearing God does not cripple or paralyze us, but it keeps us from sinning. Amen. <laughs> when we fear God, we submit to his will, and then, therefore, we rather follow his commandments. So the fear of the Lord, the reverence of God, is a good thing. You know, this is an amazing promise, one of the blessings of the new covenant If you're a believer in Christ Jesus, you can partake of that new covenant, that blessing, God's promise, that he said this, he said that God would put his fear into your heart when you are born again. Wow. Jeremiah 31, 33 in Hebrews, New Testament 8, 10, says this, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel, which is you and I, that after those days, says the Lord, I will imprint my laws upon their minds, even upon their innermost 
thoughts and understanding and engrave them upon their hearts, affecting regeneration, affecting it. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Somebody say amen. amen. See, to fear the Lord means to love God so much, we're afraid to be away from him. That's what that means. We love him and we value his presence above all. This may be foreign to some of you, but just hang on. Out of reverence for him, we choose to love what he loves and hate what he hates. Sometimes we don't always do that. Come on. Amen. I'll be the first to admit that. I know. So the fear of the Lord, it's not to be scared of God. That's not what we're talking about here. God yearns for our intimate fellowship. How many remember when Moses took the children of Israel to the wilderness? He first told them and he brought them to worship first to worship God. Then he brought them to the edge of the promised land. He didn't enter in. Joshua did. Moses knew, watch this, that if he brought them to the promised land first, idolatry would just be prevalent in their life. So in other words, you just get what you want. No, he said he brought them first to worship God, to fear God. Exodus talks about that. And when things began to get really tough in the wilderness, do you remember what the children of Israel did? They wanted to go back to Egypt. I don't like this. We don't have good meat. We used to have leeks and garlic. We used to have good lemons. And we had all the food. We were slaves. I know we were working for Pharaoh. And we were, you know, making bricks for Pharaoh. But we want to go back to that. Moses never said that. He never wanted to go back to Egypt. And let me tell you something. It is the enemy speaking into your life that tells you, you know what? This whole faith thing tossing the towel. I don't seem like I'm getting answers. And so I'm just going to go back to my old lifestyle. Can I get an amen here? That's the voice. That voice, you need to renounce that and say in the name of you, get off of my mind. Get, Get out of here. I am a new creature in Christ. Greater is he that is in me. Come on, somebody. And what God did, it settles it for me. And I'm not going back to that because the greater one lives within you. Now you're starting to wake up this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. See, Moses had an experience with God and it changed his life. He didn't just walk down an aisle and say three points of a prayer and leave and go on live his life. He encountered God. And when a human being encounters God in the presence of God, you are changed forever. You're changed forever. You know, my wife's been going through, God bless her. She's so detailed and she's been going through old, how many remember cassette tapes? I love cassette tapes, you know? That was hard for me to get off cassette tapes. But she's going through some cassette tapes where I first preached when I was in the Marine Corps back in Okinawa, Japan, and some of the things that when I was just still in the service, and it was a major New England accident on some of those. But she's, she's bringing in, she said something the other morning that just stuck within me. She said, you were so passionate and even preaching back then, and basically, I didn't know squat. <laughs> but I had passion. I was passionate. I was just like, I went, you know what? She's right. I listened to someone. Went, that was me. And uh, Angie's in some of them too, <laughs> preaching and some amazing things back in, in the Destiny Church back in the 90s. And so the Lord is good. But, but see, Moses had an encounter with God that changed his life. How many remember the burning bush? Right? I don't know why I'm spending time on this. We need to. Exodus chapter 3. 
Exodus 3, verses uh, 1, and actually goes into chapter 4, verse 23. He's on Mount Horeb, which is uh, modern-day Saudi Arabia. And what happens? God reveals himself to Moses, once again, the theophany, the appearance of God in the form that is visible to man. And this is the first time, watch this, in the Bible. It's the first time in the Bible that God uses the word holy in reference to God. Holy in reference to God. Now, here's the thing. Moses was 80 years old. He's 80 years old when this happens. So, in other words, Moses was a senior citizen. He had his 55 and alive discount, you know, over. He had his ARP, you know, thing. He, he, he had his car. He was a senior citizen. He got discounts at the breakfast place and coffee. <clears throat> but, see, here's the thing. When God called Moses, what was the first thing he said? A lot of times people think, you know, remove your shoes, you're on holy ground. No, he called his name. He said, Moses, Moses, my brother and sister, God knows your name. Even at 80 years old, God knows your name. He knows you personally. He knows everything about you. He knows what's going on in your life. Nothing is missed God. Not, not one incident ever did he not know and see. He's the all-seeing, all-knowing God. Can you say amen? <clears throat> so God knows you by name. And here's the thing. And then he says, you remove your sandals. You're on holy ground. But here's the thing. You're not too old for God to not show up in your life. Amen. Did you hear that? <clears throat> you are, I don't think you got it. <clears throat> Some of you over 50 went, huh, what? I guess I'm washed up. I'm done. Or, you know, I'm retired. So I'm just going to kind of cruise the rest of my life. No. <clears throat> you can still have a theophany of God. God can still show up in your life. Sir, ma'am, grandpa, grandma. God will show up. If you, if you desire and are hungering and thirsting after him, can you say amen? <clears throat> and I believe there are burning bush experiences for members of this church. And, and not just right now, presently, but in the future. I believe that for your children's children, that they'll be, their lives will be altered. God will show up. You think, well, I've been waiting. Moses waited 40 years and tended sheep, but God showed up. And that incident of the burning bush changed his life. And when things got tough, things got crazy in society, everyone was confused. He was not confused because he had an encounter with God. And some of you right now feel like you're just twice dead plucked over. I just say in Jesus' name, no. I speak life to you. I said I speak life to you in the name of Jesus. I speak the life of God to you. That greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. That God is still working in your life and God has an encounter for you. It'll change your life. I'm not saying it's going to be a burning bush, but when it happens, it'll change your life. I can think of a handful of situations in my life, and many of you can too, where, you know what? You felt very at a point. You didn't know if you'd make it, and God showed up. He showed up. He did something. He spoke to you in your spirit, man or woman. Not audibly. Some people feel it's an audible. I've never heard the audible voice of God, but I've known he has showed up and affected my life. Changed me. Changed me. He'll do that for you. Amen. So uh, the Israelites, they never had that experience. They didn't have that close experience with God. And I think about it when it actually happened and God showed up in the smoke. And yeah, it was, a, it, was, it was a little fearful and terrorizing. They ran from the presence of God. And this is what they said in essence. All right, pastor, you do all the spiritual preaching things. And when we have time, we'll show up on a Sunday morning unless it doesn't you know, mess with any of my schedule. But we're going to just go live our lives here. And so you tell us about God. Come on, somebody. You tell us about God, but we're scared of him. We're just going to live our life. That is not the Christian faith. 
The Christian faith starts not just now and you be encouraged and challenged, but tomorrow morning for you. You seeking the Lord, drawing near to him. Amen? That's God's heart. That's God's heart. Exodus 20, 20. And Moses said to the people, do not fear. Actually, in the Hebrew, it means afraid, frighten. God has come to test you. Watch this. That his fear, reverence, may be in you so you might not sin. He brought them to Sinai that they would have the reverence of God in their heart that they wouldn't sin against them. And they fled from it. They ran. We're not going to be those people. Amen? Amen. We're going to embrace what God has for us. His presence for our life. Reverential fear, awesome reverence that keeps us from sinning. Well, pastor, I keep sinning and I stumble. And and listen, if you fall, fall forward, get back up. Come on. That's why we have an advocate with the father. God knows our weaknesses. He knows our, the sins that keep tripping us up. Just continue to draw near to him. And as we'll get to in a moment, cultivate a fear of the Lord. Stop trying to focus on all your fears, but cultivate a reverential fear for the Lord. We'll talk a little bit about that, some of the benefits of that. But Ecclesiastes 12, 13 and 14 says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is man's all, a woman's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret, whether everything that was done, whether it was good or evil. There we go. God sees all. Very quickly, some benefits of holy fear. Referential fear in our life, it leads to number one, holiness. And I'll just do a brief 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Therefore, since we have these great and wonderful and precious promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves. Let's say that again. Let us cleanse ourselves. It's all God. If God's going to deliver me, he's going to do it. He's going to do everything. Well, you know what? We need his power because we can't do it without it. But if you're a believer, you got the power of God. It's just a choice. It's, what it is is a flesh issue. Amen. Come on, somebody. That's all that is. It's a flesh issue. Let us cleanse ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, completing holiness. In other words, living a consecrated life, a life set apart for God's purpose in the fear of God, in the reverence of God. Come on. Amen. So, so what happens is the reverential feel of God, fear of God will naturally be a byproduct of holiness in your life. Wouldn't wouldn't you love that? Come on, guys. Someone say about you, you know what? You're just a holy man. You're not weird or anything. I just feel God's presence on your life. That, I think, is an amazing testimony to hear that about somebody's life. Amen? Not you're a perverted man. You're a sinful man. You're, come on, amen? That that was, what a great testimony could say. Reverential fear leads to a working out of our own salvation. What do you mean, Pastor Mike? Philippians 2.12 says, So then, my dear ones, as you have always obeyed my instructions and enthusiasm, I'm reading for the Amplified, not only in my presence, but now, much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation. Come on. Continue to work out your salvation. That is, cultivate it, bring it into a full effect. This is something we are to do. We, we are to do this. Actively pursue spiritual maturity, which I'm preaching to the crowd now. You're all here this morning. You're actively pursuing spiritual maturity. That's why you're here. You're actively pursuing. With awe-inspired fear, there's that reverence. So we do this with fear and trembling, using serious caution and critical self-evaluation to avoid anything that might offend God or discredit the name of Christ. Somebody say amen. Oh, me. Reverential fear leads to evangelism, 2 Corinthians 5.11. 
Therefore, since we know the fear of the Lord and understand the importance of obedience and worship, we persuade people. Since we know the fear of the Lord, we reach out. We share the gospel. Since we believe in and have adhered to and we embrace the fear, the reverence of the Lord, we persuade people to be reconciled to God. But we are plainly known to God. He knows everything about us. Amen? So in the end, if you could say it this way, that the fear of the Lord can be identified by one simple thing, obedience. Amen. Somebody say obedience. obedience. It's, it's an easy word to say, but it's a hard word to do. <laughs> obedience. It's simple to say, but it's like obey. Oh. <laughs> Having this reverential fear is a good thing. It'll keep us, as the Bible says, walking circumspect, which means right down the center line, right down the middle. Now, once again, you know, we're not advocating a sin consciousness. And how many know what I mean by that? That we walk around, woe is me, I'm a sinner. You know, well, you know the Lord, you're Christ, you're forgiven. No, I always, always thinking about my sins, my sins. But for a believer, we, we have to have a new creation mindset, amen, what God has done and not walk in that. And we're constantly drawing near to the Lord and have that mindset. But let me just say this, for someone that doesn't know the Lord, you should have a, a, a life when you hear the preaching and teaching of the word. It should cause you to get agitated inside. It should cause you to get, oh man, I, I like fearful. Some people I've known where I've preached, they've actually shaken. They're just fearful, full of anxiety. Why? That's the word of God trying to take effect. And is the heart ready to receive it? Can I get an amen? <laughs> receive it or run. One of the two. That's what the enemy does. And so... We want to not have a, a sin-conscious mindset. But the Bible says, as I shared last week, godly sorrow brings about true repentance. And so if you're feeling agitated, things are stirring up, and some people even said, I just don't like that guy. That's a good sign. That, that, that's a good sign that the, work, the job of the preacher is, is happening. But if every, every day, you know, just let's pet the cat the same way. How many know the cat needs to be pet the opposite way sometimes? Amen? <laughs> And I don't, I'm not saying I enjoy it. Sometimes he just enjoys it. No, I don't. How many know Jesus is our holiness and our righteousness? Can you say amen? But here's the thing. For those who expect to be made pure without any effort on their part, we'll never become pure. Talking about our part in this walk of faith. Romans 6, 12 says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. That's our choice. That's our decision. And then very quickly, before I conclude, we're going to receive communion here in a moment. There is a fear. How many know that it's forbidden? This is an obvious. Uh, uh, when people walk around with dread and alarm, and let me tell you, this is so prevalent in our culture right now. People are over the top in this fear. And that's why we talk about the series. They are in chains and bondage, fearful of everything you can think of that's happening. It's a fright, it is a terror, it is an anxiety, it is a perplexity, uh, they distrust, everyone is after them. This fear, the Bible says, is forbidden. God says, this is not what I'm placing upon you. This is not my spirit doing this for you. This is culture, this is going on in the world today. How many know that Satan is scared? His days are numbered. And he's unleashing more. I mean, I just think about 30 years ago, 
And then I remember 30 years ago when my parents, they said, it was never like this back in the 40s and 50s. No kidding. And then in the 80s, come on, somebody. <laughs> the 80s, I remember, it was never like this today like it was in the 80s. It was bad back then. We always think the time we're living in is worse and worse and worse. But here's the thing. It is getting darker out there. But the church is getting brighter. The church is growing and growing. And people, all these things you hear, these people of power, God is building his church. He's building his church, building his kingdom and strengthening it because he has a plan. Can you say amen? amen? Psalm 91 says, do not, you don't need to fear the terrors of the night, the arrows that fly during the day, plagues that roam in the dark, epidemics that strike at noon, COVID, all these things that cripple people, you know, all, he says, don't be afraid of things. But what if I get it? What if I die? You'll be with the Lord. You have no fear. And while you're up there in heaven, you'll be going, ha, 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 I made it and I'm here. I have nothing to fear. <laughs> yeah, some of you go, nah. Luke 12, 32, do not be seized with alarm and struck with fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Can you say amen? And so, so once again, I mean, we're not to confuse these fears, too, with being cautious, and, 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 and I'm very cautious. I'm not reckless. Some people, you know, they're kind of, they all do all these gliding things and crash into bridges and, and, uh, or some of these crazy, I, I can't even watch what they, on, online, they have these things like roller coasters that go off high buildings and come back, and they're nuts! Oh, it's the thrill! Like, that thing snaps, you are going to have a thrill. <laughs> it's not going to be good. Anyhow, but how many of you know, we're cautious, right? We use wisdom. We're not reckless. We look both ways before we cross. You know what I mean? We, you know, whenever I work on electrical stuff in the house, and I put one hand in my pocket, stand on a rubber mat, and I pray, God, give me wisdom to remember red, black, white, neutral, ground. Come on, somebody. You know, I've been zapped before. You know, I just, we use wisdom. That's normal. That's good. That's healthy. Okay. Stand with me if you would, please. But when we allow the enemy come in, when we're caught off guard, we're afraid, we don't know what to do. Someone said we're afraid when reality without warning is shown to be either more or other than we thought it was. Here's the thing. The fear of the Lord keeps us on our toes with our eyes open. Yes, we know stuff that's going around us and, and a lot of times, you know, we... We don't want to miss it, but the fear of the Lord presents us, prevents us excuse me, from thinking that we know it all. The fear of the Lord. Every head bowed here this morning, please, if you would. The fear of the Lord prevents us from closing off our minds to what God and what the enemy is out for. But the fear of the Lord prevents us from what is new. We are not the center of our existence. How I many know we are not the sum total of what matters? And a lot, we don't know what's going to happen next. We trust the Lord. The fear of God prevents us from acting presumptuously. The fear of the Lord is fear with the scary element deleted. Debbie had bowed here this morning as a pastor. I've allowed these terrors by day and by night. To just really paralyze me. And I just feel afresh and anew that God wants to just wash us. He wants to remove fear of the future, fear of 
What's going to happen next? Fear of will we have enough? What's good? You know, what's ha- happening in society? Fear, gas prices going up. Fear, fear. God will take care of his people. God will take care of his people. And he will give his people corporate wisdom to help each other. <laughs> he, he, will, he will help them. And you, next thing you know, how oh, is this going to happen? And next thing you know, boom. Well, so-and-so here did this and that. And they are able to bless and I didn't know that. That is the Lord. The Lord will take care of his people. You're here this morning and say, you know what? I'm not certain I'm right with God. and I need the Lord in my life. Right now in this moment, this holy moment, the Spirit of God is speaking to you to get right with the Lord. It's very simple. It's a simple prayer. It's a surrender in your heart. It's just not vocalizing some words. What you're doing is you're inviting God into your life. The Bible says that you're made up of three parts, spirit, soul, and body. You have this physical body, someday that's going to perish. But your spirit, man or woman, a soul is going to live forever. Forever. And so you have an opportunity right now. You can, you can say, no, I'm not going to, I resist this. You're not joining this church. But if you resist it, you're resisting God. Here's the thing. No decision in this moment is a decision. It's a decision. Here's the thing. The Bible says you must be born again. I know it's a Christianese term. What does born again mean? It means receiving Christ in life. Acknowledging that you are God. I am not. You came to this earth. I don't understand everything. I have a lot of questions. So do I. But you recognize you're God. You came to this earth. And you are the only way to heaven. And you created me. And I need you. I need you in my life. And I recognize I'm a sinner. With every head bowed here this morning. The Bible says, all have sinned, fallen short of God's goodness. Every single one of us. How do you get free from that? You invite the forgiveness and the salvation of God in your life. That person of God, the Holy Spirit, comes into your life. He washes you. He purifies your heart. I heard one guy say one time, I felt like God came inside with a pressure washer and he cleaned all my insides out that's it that's it that's the work of God and you need God in your life right now you say pastor pray for me I will pray I will take that step of faith let's pray together corporately say that we say Jesus I'm a sinner I have transgressed your laws Jesus forgive me I believe you died on that cross for my sins Jesus, I give you my life. Take it. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I make a decision today to follow you. Heal my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I will live for you the rest of my days.